0: Hello, hello, and welcome to My Tennis Journey. Now, as you're listening today, it'd be amazing if you could hit subscribe or follow if you haven't yet have a chance. Now, today we are having a coaching special. Coaches play an absolutely key role in our sport. And I promise I'm not just saying that because I am one. Coaches can inspire players to pick up a racket, give our game a go, and start a lifetime journey with the sport. They are the tennis evangelists. Today, we're gonna look into the topic of LTA coach education. It's the perfect time to do so because our national association, the LTA, have just launched a new coaching plan, which they say features the biggest ever transformation to coach education and development. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing all about the plan, and who better to tell us all about it than the Head of Coach Development and Support at the LTA, Merlin van der Brahm. Now, Merlin, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time to have a chat.
1: Morning, Rob. Thank you.
0: Very nice to, to be here. Hey, I can't wait to come onto to the, the new plan. Uh, really exciting developments. But I think, you know, this is my tennis journey. Tell us a little bit, Merlin, about your tennis journey.
1: Uh, OK, so, well, I, I began playing tennis uh, at age eight. Uh, I played a lot of different sports. I was picked up a racket with my brother in, in the park and we played a lot of tennis. But then I actually quit tennis to play golf for a few years uh, because I had no one to play with. When my brother went to secondary school. Uh, hey, I've, got, I've
0: got to say as well, like the golf, you know, the ball stationary. You must have found that easy after tennis, after that ball shooting here, there and everywhere.
1: Correct. Yes, it is much, uh, much easier, but also triple the frustration because when you hit a bad shot, you've got to look at it for five minutes before the next one. So, um, but yeah, basically um, sort of webbed to golf and then came back to tennis quite late at 14. But I was super into it um played sort of regional and provincial level in Ireland and then actually went to Sutton Junior Tennis Centre for two years during my levels So uh, I ended up sort of my level was okay. I played... University Tennis at, at University College Dublin and at Loughborough. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really wasn't a brilliant player by any means. So got into coaching pretty early. And uh, my, my first my first experience of coaching was really as a hitter slash coach for a little eight-year-old girl in Sutton that couldn't afford coaching. So I just would hit with her and then started giving a few tips here and there and and, and actually did my coaching badges. Uh, my first qualification was the, the PTR when I was 17 um and yeah just absolutely loved it uh and and then after after i finished school when i was competing i actually i struggled a lot with competition anxiety when i was playing i got a lot of nerves and i found it always put a ceiling on my level of play so i was fascinated with psychology and that's why i ended up studying at university i think that was probably why i did it um so i played Played through university and uh, kept coaching the whole way through. I was full time for a few years. Um, And then after university, I went to the postgrad at Loughborough. uh, And uh, that was in sports psychology. And basically, I was sort of planning on being a sports psychologist, but ended up um, getting a job with the ITF out in Valencia in Spain after after my postgrad and coaching. Uh, in in Loughborough and uh, yeah the rest is history really spent five years working in the tennis development coach ed department in in the ITF and was there for five years and then six years ago joined the LTA as the coach sort of uh, engagement manager and then three years ago took over the role as head of coach development so that's sort of my journey really being tennis and a bit of golf sprinkled in there.
0: I think uh, I think what it also I mean we'll have a lot of coaches listening to this this episode. And, and what it shows is you get it, huh? you get it. You get the fact that that eight year old girl, you would have really helped her on her journey. She couldn't afford the lessons, but you helped her through a passion to keep her, get a playing, keep her playing to improve the fact that, you know, you suffered competition anxiety. You know, the fact that the that, that coaches out there will have, will have suffered the same, but they also see their players and they have to help them through it. And, and I think the fact that you're now in this role where you've got, you've done You've done mileage on the coaching journey, yeah.
1: Yeah, a little, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely feel like that. Yeah.
0: Hey, come on. Well, we must come on to the plan. And um, I know it, it, it. You know the 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 literature around it says it features the biggest ever transformation to coach education and development. Why? Why did the LTA feel the need to make the change?
1: It's a great question, Rob. I mean, I think, the, you know, coach education in the UK is, it was starting from a good point. It's a well developed, mature tennis nation and well resourced. We're really lucky that the, the, the UK has a grand slam and, and that results in, in a bigger federation and in a lot of countries around the world. When I was working at the ITF, you know, if they don't win the Davis cup in Spain, they have very little budget that year. So, you know, w- we started from a good position, but there is so much feedback from the industry around firstly qualifications. So when I say industry, I se- essentially mean venues, employers, tutors that deliver the coach ed courses, but also the, the coaches themselves just stating in coffee chats you know on 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 the side of a, a tennis court having a chat that there is a need for change basically and every time i'd speak no one no one was raving about it they were and, and they weren't excited about it and i think that that sort of struck my attention and and at the time i wasn't in a role where i could change the sort of the broad picture um but i it, i felt like i was learning what needed to change and just small things like the the assistant coach qualification at level 1 you'd spend the course learning how to help someone on court, but the exam you'd be, you'd have to lead a session. So you'd learn how to be an assistant and then you'd be tested on leading a session. It just, it just made no sense. And, um, you know, I went back and redid my level one, um, as a level four and there was a paper folder and and I was like, this seems a little out of date. Um, you know, I could make all of the stuff up in this folder. It's not very environmentally friendly. Um, and yeah it just it just felt like yeah there was there's some challenges and you know we had a large network of, of outsourced providers with 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 some issues in terms of performance and that needed addressing coaches all around the country would describe cpd as not relevant not local um you know and and you know when it comes to something like uh, coach accreditation which is our professional membership scheme the satisfaction was good but, you know, I think it can be better. And I think that's really the mantra, really. You're trying to go from, from something that was good to great with, with coach education because they're such a critical part of the tennis development puzzle and, and a healthy sport.
0: Mm. And You're getting this understanding. You're getting all these signals that things can be better. Now, I mean, change doesn't happen overnight, does it? How, how long in the making has this plan been?
1: Yeah, quite quite a while. I mean, we've published it as 2021 to 2023, but the roots and foundations have been, you know, since really uh, Scott Lloyd started as a new CEO in 2018, late 2018, and we had a new chief operating officer who I report into, two extremely smart uh, people who know the game really well. Uh, they know the industry. So back from then, I think they, they brought... Um, a, appreciation for the importance of coaching which in 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 a national governing body you've got you know performance that's always in the newspapers you've got major events that uh, you know get on television and the profile of coach education and therefore the importance of coach education isn't always there but they brought the the perspective that you know we need to invest in coaches so it started back then and it resulted in essentially an independent review where we wanted to understand what's good uh, but what needs changing and what are the challenges and that independent review, the organization that we worked with had, had supported the FA prior to their coach education and national coach pathway restructure. So that gave us the time and the expertise to ask the right questions, to not be biased about, you know, you know, you might go in and you, you think you already know the answer, so you're not really listening. And and it, it started there. So, you know, by, I think the beginning of 2019, we, we had the strategy at a high level, um, and, you know, we had to put in team, put in place the team to deliver that strategy because we didn't have all the skill sets So if we needed to improve the curriculum, we needed the right people that could really, really knew tennis and it wasn't all there. So we put the team in place in 2019. In 2020, we, we had a restructure of the coach development center network, which is, the the providers of the qualifications at sort of the lower levels and it really all launched this year in 2021 but we we had a few bumps along along the road you know we had COVID hit last year and our team was the team that worked on the the emergency grants for coaches so it's it's been a few years in the making really a little bit like foundations of a house really
0: yeah and I think in order to know where you're going to you have to fully understand where you're at kind of the situation you find yourself in and then then you start thinking right this is where we, where we want to go. what at the heart of of what you're trying to achieve what are the objectives for this new plan?
1: Ultimately the strategy is about supporting coaches to be the best they can be uh, so that if, if we we know if we've got inspirational coaches growing our game that participation is going to take care of itself. you know if we support coaches to do that, We know it will happen. And I think that's basically, you know, you can get bogged down in KPIs and the volume of coaches and the satisfaction of the qualifications. And we do have those KPIs. You need that in a good strategy and you need clear objectives. But it's it's, it's, the main picture is, is supporting coaches to do the very best job they can, because we know they're going to be on court for potentially 30 years inspiring kids on a Saturday morning. And um, that's what it's all about, really—just helping them to do to to do more and bring more people in, in to stay in the game.
0: That was just and that just really makes me smile, you know, because the KPIs, key performance indicators. If anyone's wondering, um, <laughs> sorry yeah, you know, about that. It's easy. I remember I once did a when I went from the kind of sporting world into and the corporate sporting world into the charity world. I did a presentation, and um, and it was to charities, to charity staff at this big conference. And I looked at the tweets afterwards and there was some positive stuff, but there was like, I have never heard anyone speak so much jargon as <laughs> he did at that point. And he's like, oh, all oh, right, I better think about this. And uh, but so to support coaches to be the best they can, I mean, that's just great. I mean, that's perfect, isn't it? Say, say Merlin, say you're in a, I don't know, say you've, you've gone down to a tennis club and you've got a coach and they're in between lessons, you know, yeah. they've got, the, they've got five minutes. What do you think are the main things in the plan that really demonstrate that you are as an LTA or as a national governing body help to support coaches to be the best they can be? What are the main things in that plan?
1: If, if uh, I had those minutes between lessons, I, I would focus on three things. It's qualifications, professional development and then ongoing support and essentially with qualifications the the main message is we're we're going further faster with the curriculum that you now go through using blended learning as, as one of the main methodologies so you can study a huge amount at home you get your knowledge at home and in between the contact days so when you turn up to the court you're applying your knowledge and that's what develops skill but you can't really develop skill if you have no knowledge base and framework. So, you know, if you understand what good feeding looks like when you go to the course, you then can be tested and apply those skills. I think that's the main first one. And then the, the other bit is CPD. It's, it's now opened up, um, you know, any provider, any format, uh, um, you know, in any sport. In the past, it was a little bit sort of LTA course with a highway. And we sort of look to try and democratize CPD. And I think that's the, the, the second main point. The third one is that we're, we're trying to become more relevant to coaches. So, you know, if you only work with beginner grassroots players, you're probably maybe not interested in certain uh, types of content in the performance space. Equally, if you're on tour 36 weeks a year, do you really want to receive LTA youth lesson plans? I, I don't think you do. So, but it's really hard to segment uh, audiences. Uh, and at the moment we communicate to coaches very much in, in the same way. And we're trying to personalize that. So, the content benefits and communications being more personal and relevant to the coach is really the third area which uh, which I'd emphasize
0: hey I'm sure that coach who's now raring to go for their next lesson having had their five minutes with you in between lessons <laughs> <laughs> um, I know under the new plan I had a good read of the new plan um, level ones are now LTA assistants level twos yeah. are LTA instructors now, in the past, I've—I mean, I've probably seen as many conversations around this as anything about what a level one and a level two can or cannot do when it comes to leading groups, individual coaching, etc. If we start with LTA assistants, so those—the the old level ones—under the new plan, what can a level uh, and a level one, an LTA assistant, what can they do and what can't they do as part of that role?
1: Yes, yeah, and I, I think you've there's it's a real area of debate um, and we're trying really hard to sort of correct the industry's understanding in this area. So the first thing I would say is there's a big difference between what is a coach trained to do in a qualification versus what they can do. And I think often the industry confuses those two things. So, you know, coaches are self-employed and we don't own the venues. They can actually do, you know, Anything they like. Uh, The question I think that I often get asked is, what are they trained to do in the qualifications? Um, And so that's sort of one of the main things I'd emphasize there. But ultimately, look, when when you're going out on court, coaches, they worry about insurance and all those things. So you do want to get it right. But basically, once you've got safeguarding standards in place, so, you you know, your your first aid and your your accreditation and your, your criminal records check, that's a must from the LTA. But it's ultimately the deployer's responsibility as to what they can do and what the LTA are are trying to push now and have for many years. But I think the message is not quite out there is we advise on three principles as to what you can do or what you should do. And the three principles are competence, quality and risk. So essentially, what you can do as a coach is based on what you're competent to do. But the, the definition of competence is the combination of qualifications, experience and training combined. It's not just the qualification in isolation. So when a coach or an, a head coach comes to me and says, oh, what, you know, what can my level one or two do? I'm like, well, I actually, you know, the qualification is just one part of the puzzle. And and so I think that's, uh, that's one of the, the the main principles. And that's what the insurance companies look at when you're, when you're delivering tennis it's not what level qualification are you it's what's your overall competence profile and a really good example of that is there's no qualification for parenting but that doesn't make everyone incompetent parents uh, and I, I like to cite that so it's just a bit of a broader um, picture and then the other two principles that I always or we, we push and promote are around quality and risk so you know when deciding what a coach does on court it's ultimately around quality and risk if and they're two continuums. If you want really high quality, we'd always encourage going, you know, using a coach with more experience and probably therefore higher levels of qualification. But actually if you, you might run a really low cost program in a really remote area of social deprivation, maybe you can't afford to pay a level five coach and and therefore you, you need to do level two. So that continuum of, of quality is the, the second principle. And the third principle is around risk and and actually, you know that the higher qualified you, you go, that the more training you have so you know in health and safety and, and generally speaking, the, the lower the risk will therefore be. So they're the three principles we always
0: go back with when it, when it comes back to what a coach can or can't do. Yeah it's interesting. So with that in mind, to take that to the next stage, it's almost the committee who is in charge of a club or the you know the providers who are in charge of that club, to set down their principles for what is acceptable in order, but taking into account things like insurance. So in theory then they could have a level two running uh, leading groups or under in undertaking individuals, but it's something they need to be aware of. And I guess to a degree, look at whether they believe they would be covered from an insurance point of view.
1: Yeah, ultimately, that's it. And I think, you know, the, the what a coach is trained to do, that is very linked to what, you know, I think a venue should, or a coach sometimes deploys himself. You know, yeah. when you are a, a graduate of the level two curriculum, or, which is now the LTN instructor, you're trained in depth on essentially like a group exercise instructor. Yeah. And so you're, but what you're not trained in is how to observe and analyze with an expert eye the technical, tactical, physical, and mental needs of a player. That that training comes at level three. Now that's why, generally speaking, there's a link between delivering private tuition and individual one-to-ones and having a level three, because you know if as a venue, if you want to guarantee that your coach is competent in that, that training comes at level three. Yeah. And, you know, it takes a while to, to, to build a coach for the long term. And so it's not reached until level three, that sort of bespoke technical and tactical instruction, essentially the app, a, an expert application of the coaching process where you look at a player and you diagnose what they need, much like a doctor would do. And, and that's a really, really skillful process. And you can really you can get it wrong if you don't have enough knowledge and skill. Uh, and that's why, generally speaking, if you want low risk and high quality, I, I, I would, ne- I personally, if I was running a venue today, I would never deploy someone to to deliver private lessons or one-to-ones without a level three or higher on the LTA's pathway because the chances are they, they may not have the understanding and the frameworks to genuinely help that player for what that player needs.
0: Yeah, I get it. And I think that that's where the venue, I guess, it's the awareness for those committees who are often running clubs of what the various um, titles of coach are now trained in? Yes. So what is that? Uh, the level one now the LTA system. What are they trained in? What are yes. the LTA instructors trained in? What yes. are the level three coaches trained in? And the doctor analogy is a perfect one, isn't it? You know, and yeah. and I think if there's an understanding there of what that coach is trained in, it will feed into the decisions that they make. It's almost exactly. like understanding that, isn't it?
1: Exactly, yeah. And we get hundreds of calls. Uh, they're sort of looking for permission to deploy a, a level two to do private. And it, it, it's not our call. You know, we're the governing body. We, we can help support you with information to understand the right decisions or the ones that bring low risk and high quality. But it's ultimately the decision of the deployer, which in many cases is the coach themselves. And there's obviously that responsibility there.
0: Yeah, got it. Thank you. Now, levels four and five, I can see you've got two two sort of classifications in each. You've got LTA senior coach and LTA senior performance coach at level four, uh, uh, LTA master coach, LTA master performance coach at level five. So can you just bring out the differences between a senior coach and a senior performance coach? And why do you think it's important to have those two classifications?
1: Yeah, great. It's a great question. I think, in, you know, historically coach education has seen sort of a, a coupling of coaching experience and expertise with the level of player that you're working with. So only, you know, you know, level threes or level fives working with, with high performance players and, you know, you go up the pathway to work with better players. But actually, we have uh, what I like to call high performing coaches working in grassroots and we've got high-performing coaches working in with with high-performance players, but you've also got low-performing, you know, coaches working in both. So, and um, the split in the pathway is is aligned with the European frameworks that came in years back to, to recognise expertise in both domains, really. And you know, go you can you can progress, uh, even though the level of player you work with isn't a high level, it doesn't mean that your coaching isn't a high level. And I think that's that's a really healthy way to be. But the, the main difference is, if I was to split it up, it's sort of pre-course and during course. Obviously, the ability to spar, rally, uh, you know, they're more demanding in the performance space. Um, so, to, you know, to ensure credibility of the course and ensure that the graduates are fit for purpose, generally speaking, the entry requirements and experience in the performance landscape is a little higher for the senior performance award whereas for for, for the senior coach award it's not as high because the understanding is generally you'll be working with players that aren't striking the ball at 80 miles an hour plus so 80 kilometers an hour plus if you if you grew up in Ireland Um, and then during during the course uh, really the curriculum for the senior coach is is essentially identical the core curriculum is the same they're learning the same frameworks the same coaching principles Um, But at the elective stage, so you are sort of, you know, you last 25% of the course content, that's when it starts to branch out to more, I would say, player development versus program development. So if I'm in the senior coach award, I'm likely to do digital marketing, leadership, um, social media marketing, whereas if I'm in the senior performance coach, I might do an awareness of standards day in TARBs. Um, there might be a periodization and planning, more sports science. And so it's gen- generally athlete development versus business development is probably the best distinction
0: I give for those trends. Makes sense. Makes sense. I know uh, a specific one I us ask you about because I was one rating off having automatic uh, right to go mm-hmm. on and do my level three as it was because you needed to be a certain level in yes. order to do that. Um, I know that, you know, so what I needed to do was I did a play test. It was it was as nervous as I've been for a while putting those surfs down and trying to get oh. in order to do it. But, I, you know, I got through. It was OK. It was a good thing to do. Um, so in terms of the play tests, is, is there going to be a new kind of system within... Um, the new plan linked to world tennis number, where you don't have to do a play test if your world <laughs> tennis number is good enough, and you yeah. know how how's that going to work in the new plan? Yes, yeah, so so world tennis number is being
1: phased in. I'm so excited about world tennis number. I think it's going to be a game changer. I, I've actually booked six tournaments after finding out what my what my number is. Um, <laughs> But uh, yes, in short, in time, as uh, when WTN comes in as essentially an acceptance criteria, it's out there now, but it's not being used as entry to tournaments, for example. Um, it will phase in and there'll be an equivalent number that, you know, it's essentially, think of tennis like an apprenticeship. You know, if you've played for 15 years, received thousands of hours of coaching, you, 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 you feel the ball really well, you're consistent, means you can demonstrate It means you can feed really well. Essentially, we're trying to make qualifications as accessible as possible. So if you have that threshold demonstrated by a World Tennis number or currently the LTA rating, we don't want to force you through a step that we don't feel you need to take. But if if you haven't had that Million balls in your racket as a junior or a player, then then you know to ensure the credibility of the course and someone that can genuinely feed, demonstrate and 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 hold their own in a venue, then that that sort of play test is still there. But it's not a play test anymore. We've evolved it based on industry feedback to be called the readiness test. And essentially, the, the readiness tests are there to ensure people are set up for success, not failure. We don't want people to start a curriculum at level two or level three or level four and they can't get through it and suddenly the tutor has to stop and slow the curriculum down doesn't deliver all the units for everyone else and um, you know that person's panicking and they feel out of their depth so the readiness test is really there to protect the learner from going into a course they're not ready for much like that's what a levels are for when you go to university you know you know some of the courses that are really highly demanding they've got high grades because you know, I think if, if you went in and did theoretical physics with it with an F in math, you might struggle. So that yeah. kind of thing.
0: So readiness test and and that's the new name. And no doubt people can find out about that if if, if they search up and and what's involved in that. But it, it, I think it's just it's good to hear that's why it's there, you know, because often people will see it and they'll think, Oh, you know, do I need to go through this, etc.? But understanding that it, it's gonna help you because if you're not going to tick those boxes perhaps you need to do a bit more work before you then enter into the readiness test
1: absolutely and 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 the, the readiness test they look at demonstration feeding and communication and so it's not all about your level of play you know if if you're highly animated engaging and motivating we take that into account in the marking schemes and the most important thing is we always give feedback it's a learning opportunity and the the, the time that the assessor spends is actually saying this is how you can improve whether you pass or you don't pass it's all about just growth mindset being better what can you improve on
0: better tomorrow than you are today as actually broomhead told me in these podcasts yes cool man um now i do a very quick one is there are there any changes in the number of days it's going to take you to qualify at the different levels uh, they're essentially the
1: same, uh, the, the, maybe a bit less because the the, the the final assessment normally took a day on the level one, but that's you know with the video based assessment, essentially you don't you don't have to turn up for that day. So, um, but essentially the the contact volume and load is identical. But what we have in, enhanced is the home study and blended learning, so that that is more demanding because we want coaches to be experts uh, in player program development, and that takes time and and, and investment in learning. So we, we've really, uh, I call it ballooning the curriculum without actually changing the contact days because we didn't want to make it less accessible, but we knew we needed to drive big, uh, higher standards. So that's what we've done.
0: Yeah. There's a couple of features, you know, having read the plan that, that I'm really interested in, and just to say, the plan was really it was well laid out. It was easy to understand, which was great. Um, Thank you. But yeah, come on. Under the new system, there's not going to be the equivalent of exams at the end of you know the, these coaching courses we've been talking about. You need to video yourself, video yourself delivering the lesson back at your club, and submit it directly to the LTA, who's going to manage those final qualification elements. What's the thinking there? Yeah, so we
1: deliver a large number of qualifications each year. We actually deliver around three times what Tennis Australia do and 10 times what uh, the Spanish Federation do. But to to do that, we have an outsourced network of providers. But having 12 different companies results in, I would say, mixed standards. It's just natural. So the centralization of assessment is at us getting the best of both worlds. We've got that local expertise out in the field delivering the training. But when it comes to passing or not yet passing a qualification, we've got a team of very experienced eight assessors that we can unify and consolidate standards. Um, and that helps to make sure that if you're in Cornwall or Cumbria, if you pass or, or fail level three, you know you've got a fair a fair shot at it. Whereas the standards were, I think, you know, were quite varied based on the feedback from the industry and, and the other, the other benefits for video based assessment, uh, we, we worked with Sport England and SIMSPA, which is the Chartered Institute for the management of sport and physical activity. And, as you know, one of the big challenges with coach ed in all sports was that people were passing in what we call simulated assessment. So, you know, an LTA assistant level one, you're you're passing a qualification to work with really young kids. um, But on the exam day, you've got your course mates with the racket in the left hand and you're not really learning to deal with ADHD or behavioral problems or just young kids. So it just wasn't a valid assessment. But video based assessment allows people to be in their own environment, working with real players, and therefore the assessment is, is is valid, it's real, and we can see that. So if you can work with kids, you'll you'll be fine. And if you can't, then yeah, you might struggle. But the simulated assessments just weren't working.
0: Um,
1: so that's that's the main reasons behind video-based assessment. And and I think a lot of sports will follow now. And, and and you know, we're not the first to do it. The fitness industry have been doing this for decades. When you're a PT, you submit via video your final assessment. And and that 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 really helps the learner as well, because you're not pressured to take the exam on day 13 of the level three anymore. If you need six months to, to practice and evolve and work under a mentor, you can choose to do that. But if you're all equally, if you're ready to go, you can submit your, your video straight after the the day, the final day of training.
0: Now, this is a good point. So my wife is a, a personal trainer. She's out on our farm at the moment, delivering a, a session for her clients. Nice. <laughs> and now becky is uh, if you're listening becky i'm sure you'd understand this she's not the maybe the best with technology so when it came to like videoing her uh, sort of with her clients actually we we, we videoed it and I, I i helped to set it up what, what what are your words of wisdom for those coaches out there who perhaps aren't the best at operating technology aren't the best at with smartphones and tripods and everything how how can we get them to the point where they can do this and get the yeah. material into the LTA that, that has sound, that has them in picture and not just that you cut off their heads?
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. And one of the reasons we we debated it for a long time, and I think you know, technology is definitely here to stay. And and if you're you're not savvy with it, it's definitely something I think would benefit coaches in general. You know, if you're if you're providing support for your players if they play a competition you might record them anyway and and you know smartphone technology makes recording so so simple you can get you know very cheap earphones you know uh, online you don't need to get the airpods that are bluetooth you just stick them in your ears and they're recording what you say and you know i think we're becoming digitally native as we go along. But for those who are finding that so daunting, you know, our coach development centers are there to help. They, they will help you through the process. They've done it thousands of times. They'll give you advice and and support. And there's a huge amount of guidance, documentation and supporting resources on what to buy, if uh, you know or how to do it pitfalls what good looks like to make it really simple and 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 you know the kit costs less than a train ticket to the venue that you now don't have to go to because it's in your own venue so overall i think there has been some some challenge with that but but uh we're confident that the benefits far outweigh those challenges
0: do you know the other thing with it as well is like the teenagers of today the the young people who are a club they understand how this stuff works oh yeah boy oh boy you know they understand oh yeah you know I think about it and I think that you know they can help you can get people to help you with this there's always somebody there you know a tennis club is a community of people who have different strengths that they can bring to the party and somebody out there is going to be able to help you with this absolutely come on Uh, one of the things I've loved the independent learning you know um you know, listening to podcasts, the likes of uh, Dan Kiernan's Controller Controllables, um, reading books, you know, um, uh, and being able to actually learn and then fill in a form on the LTA site. um, You know, that's as a way of getting continuous professional development points. That's been around a little while now. Mm. Uh, Is that something that you've seen being a success? Is it very much part of the new plan? It's
1: at the heart and centre of the new plan. I think independent learning has been a big success. When when coaches know about it, they absolutely love it, um, and they they thank us for changing because, as I said before, it was it was sort of you had to do an LTA approved course, and you know we were we were working really hard to approve courses, but you know really good courses, you know like say you did Google digital marketing. Well, Google weren't coming to us for approval, so the courses weren't on the website and it just wasn't a system that worked and it meant that there was sort of this sort of strange situation where it's like if you don't do one of these courses you can't you can't get it for credits but now the responsibility is with the coach to choose what they want and what they need and, and all we need is just evidence that you've done something and a reflection that demonstrates you understand what you might change in terms of your coaching behavior and it's gone down really well because coaches report back that you know what I used to I used to read a book, and I wouldn't really think about how that would change my behavior on court. But the, the 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 process of submitting a reflection to the LTA has really made me think. Okay, actually, I'm going to do these three things differently, and so it's gone down really well. I think independent learning is a bit of is a supplement, not a replacement for face to face workshops that we have because. You know, there's no there's no substitute for getting on court with fellow coaches, led by a tutor, and thrashing stuff out. You can't do that um, on your own on an online course or reading a book. But I think the two will really complement each other, and so far it's going really well. And we we just don't have enough coaches that know about it. There's a lot of us still. We still get comments around CPD courses. There's not enough on, and and the courses aren't relevant for me to which I would say, well, that's totally fine. You know, um, we've got a lot of recommendations on the independent learning page. Check them out and get stuck
0: in. Come on. And, and I tell you what, if there's any coaches, if you haven't done the independent learning, just search uh, LTA independent learning. Uh, finish off listening to this podcast. Fill in the form and, you, you know, you'll get yourself a points credit for, for demonstrating what you've learned about the new lta coaching plan it's it's a way of learning in your own time it's a way of learning about things that you feel you need to know and and it's a great way of of developing yourself professionally and getting recognition for that come on now um one of the ones i'm interested in paddle i can see um under continuous professional development there's an introducing to paddle coaching Mm. now are you able to coach paddle after doing that course or would you need to do the LTA paddle instructor course in order to be able to coach it? Or is this going to be coming back to the conversation we have about it's more the responsibility of the venue?
1: Yeah, you've nailed that one, Rob. I mean, (laughs) ultimately it comes back to that high level principle of competence. Um, You know, if you're a very experienced coach, level four, level five, 20 years experience, and you do the introduction to paddle coaching, you're probably going to be pretty competent in, in applying your tennis coaching principles, fusing them with paddle information, and doing a pretty good job. However, probably not the best quality job, and that's why we've got a pathway there that coaches can tap into it. Um, and you know, we're developing and launching the Instructor in 2022. That's an exciting development. The interest for paddle is phenomenal I mean it really is Um, but in print essentially it does come back down to that principle of competence and and that's qualifications experience and training combined and I always like to you know use the analogy of you know there's a very big difference between you know a 16 year old with no experience who's just passed a level two and a 40 year old PE teacher that's uh, a mother of four 25 years experience of delivering pe that also has a level two they're not the same people so that and that's a really good way of describing why qualifications aren't the whole picture um so yeah it, it comes down to competence and if you feel like you've got that and you can justify that you're going to be fine and 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 insured and, and, and that's the main reason
0: uh, we have that principle there and the lta panel instructor course coming in 2022 uh... Uh, All the other courses we've talked about with the new classifications, are they now live? Are they they going live over the coming weeks, months?
1: Yes. So it's it's a big overhaul in terms of an evolution of each curriculum. And there's thousands of hours of learning and writing. and, And we work with coaches that are active and conditioning coaches, psychologists to help us write the very best curriculums. We're not in sitting in the NTC making this all up. So it takes time and therefore it's phased. Uh, the assistant and instructor are already launched. The coach, um, has been enhanced, um, but will be fully launched next year. Uh, senior coach will, will follow the paddle is, is launching, uh, instructor next year in 2022. So the awards are being phased in, but the most important ones for the industry, uh, are assistant and instructor because 80% of all the people that qualify each year are at those levels.
0: Mm, great point. Um, What are your hopes and fears for the, for the new plan Merlin? Oh, yeah, that's a good
1: question. Uh, I think, I hope we can reach all coaches out there to let them know we, we do listen. I think there's a perception that we don't listen and that, you know, the changes we've made are there to help coaches to help themselves to be, you know, a brilliant player developer or a brilliant program developer. Um, and, you know, just I think generally for me, the fears that come with change, it's the unknown. Um, you know, speaking frankly, I've struggled to sleep quite a few nights in the last few years and, and the change process was tough. I was, you know, experiencing anxiety at times. I had people laughing at me when we announced the video based assessment. Um, you know, it wasn't easy, um, especially in the early part. But I think I think now as, as things are bedding in and the communications are going out, uh, and they're landing well. I think my fears are subsiding. Um, but, you know, what I'm probably most scared of is actually not making a difference. I, I can't think of anything worse than, you know, working Monday to Friday long hours and, and just taking over. I, I really want to change the level of coaching. The reason I'm passionate about that is because when I played tennis back when I was eight and I had to quit to play golf, it's because there was no program. There was no coach. And I didn't, I didn't want that to happen to someone else because maybe if I had a great coach, things would be different and I wouldn't have just played some university tennis. So that's why I'm passionate about it. And I think, yeah, my biggest fear is not making a difference because, you know, we're here to, to try and improve things. And that's what motivates me, I think.
0: I hope, I hope any coach that's listening to this who has been in a similar boat for whatever reason have not been able to sleep at night because they're thinking about stuff. And, you know, I've been there. And it's not nice. I think at the heart of that is the fact that you know you wouldn't if you didn't care, you wouldn't be in that position where you had the anxiety. And I hope mm-hmm. that any coach in listening to this can really hear just how much you care about this, because I just think in anything, if it you know if you really really care about something, surely that has to be acknowledged, and 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 it demonstrates that you're trying to do something to make things better and that you are listening and you know people laughing at things they shouldn't be doing that full stop when when you're trying your best you know and you care about something
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah it is tough and, and i think yeah sometimes you
1: know the lta get a bit of a kicking online and you know when i read the comments because i do see them you know there is a person behind every change and every job and it, it it is tough but yeah i think the one thing i've learned coming to the lta because i didn't i hadn't made my mind up about what it was like before i joined but there's a lot of great people in there and the one common thing they have is they really really care about the game and they're doing their very best to to make it better as simple as that really
0: hey well it's a good starting point and i hope you know i hope you know i hope people see the human behind the, the headline on the coach <laughs> and this stuff is important we're all humans come on yeah come on let's yeah. care um tennis coaches wise how many are there in the uk is it like what sort of gang have we got here you know how many people are in this club um yeah good question uh, there's, uh, there's basically six thousand roughly
1: uh it went down during the pandemic it's bouncing back um, but it's very much market-led. I think, you know, the number of people looking for tennis, the number of people joining clubs results in, results in the, the volume. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's around 6,000 active coaches that are accredited. Is it growing that? Is that something that's, you know, actively part of the plan? Uh, y- yes and no. I mean, as I said, market-led. So we don't want coaches for coaches' sake. Um, and, you know, I think pe- – people will undertake qualifications and enter the industry if it's if it's a thriving one. We know recruitment's a big challenge at the moment. And I think, uh, so more coaches is 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 good, but it's very much driven by the market. And if there's space in programmes to deliver more coaching, then then there'll be more people booking quals and it will grow organically. But we're not focused on driving numbers because that's not necessarily the most important thing to think about.
0: Yeah, there's lots of other things, isn't there? Now, I mean, I've asked the questions that speak to my mind, about the new plan no doubt there's coaches out there going why haven't you asked that Um, you know if if, if people do have more questions what would your guidance be on 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 where to go to ask those questions
1: so definitely the first thing would be just to check out the website you know 90 percent of the questions we get asked either through the contact us form or when the phones were were in place were, were already answered on the website and that's uh so, the, you know, the best way to, to check it out is, is go to lta.org forward slash coaching, have a look at the detail. And then if you've got something specific, there's thousands of FAQs on the website, but you can get in touch just logging a single query through the contact us form. You know, if it's CPD related and it's complex or unique to you. It'll land with our team um, to, to try and solve it. And as I mentioned, you know, 80% of the queries and calls that used, you know, used to come in, we've already answered them on the website. So you're slowing yourself down by not checking that out first. And uh, I'm learning that the hard way with Virgin Media at the moment. Um, but through the contact us form, basically how it works is you know, you categorize what you need help with, and that allows our team to serve up the answers. You know, oh, this is probably what you need. And if, if those answers aren't there, then you just fill in a personalized email. And if it's easy, they'll get back to you pretty quick. If it's complex, it'll come to our team. Um, and that's, you know, so, yeah, contact us for them on, on the LTA or if you're in a venue, um, you know, or you're, you know your workforce development partner in the region, uh, you know, reach out to them as well. Uh, that's that's probably the best ways.
0: I guess it, it follows on with a specific one. I know, um, I know, co- coaches do have questions and and they're desperate to get those those answers quickly. And I think the CPD points and you know when they're going to be added and yeah, one of the ones that that we've seen online is certainly one I've been asked about uh, down yeah. at our club. Yeah, you know if if it's that where you're in a hurry, you, you know, because they can cause a bit of stress. You know, you need yes. to. Oh my goodness, my accreditation's run out. The committee. They're asking me about it. What's the best way to get answers in a hurry? So the response
1: time for for that contact us form is around 48 hours. If it's complex, it may take longer. Um, and that's what we tend to see on social media. It's a bit of an echo chamber. The people are really panicked in last minute um they you know there are instances where where it might take more time because and we've had some we've had some technology challenges this year it's we're essentially migrating our database so everything we know about rob salmon your address your details how many cpd credits you've got that's moving from one database to another and and when you're renewing your accreditation it's currently looking at both and sometimes it's pulling the wrong information and that's essentially why credits aren't always appearing because we're running two databases in parallel until the end of this year when we finally move off the old one. But the, the, the fastest way is, is still through contact us, despite what it might look on social, because there's a full and dedicated team that reply to those messages. Um, and I think one of the main things that slow it down is if a coach emails four people, suddenly you've got four people working on the same problem that messes things up but it also slows the business down when you zoom out if we're trying to, if four people are doing the same thing then suddenly you know over a year your your efficiency's gone right down so a single point of contact to the contact us form in 99% of cases your your queries are answered within a, within a couple of days latest and and as i said it's been a tough year this year uh, with the database migration but that's set to improve certainly from early 2022
0: come on now I know you're uh, you're very much qualified, Coach Merlin. Are you still are you still coaching regularly? I've uh, I've co- not as much
1: as I'd like. I've coached every year since I qualified back in two thousand and three, um, and and I used to do a lot of work in the um, the community program at the NTC pre COVID. But since since COVID's come back, I've I've not gone back to coaching. as really focusing on the launch of this plan, but I. I have my, my ambition is to get back on court because, um, you know, I'm still playing a lot as well. So I'm kind of coaching myself at the moment, but, um, my plans to get back on court very soon. Now that this plan is launched and my focus is, uh, can hopefully be not so laser. I'm, I'm hoping to get back on and, and, and orange and green are my favorite ball stages and ages. So that's, that's where I'll be back doing.
0: Brilliant. And, uh, you know, I know you're, you getting back on court in terms of any coaches who are also, uh, enjoying looking at their world tennis number and thinking maybe they want to get that up a little bit what what, what are your world tennis numbers in singles and doubles okay so well that's why i've
1: booked six tournaments because they need to go up rob um but so i'm a 12.1 in singles and a nine in doubles
0: that's not too bad. I thought I was happy with my 13 where I'm at. That's pretty decent, <laughs> I think. Yeah, listen, it's all about improving. Yeah, so come on, come on. And I think, you know, that I love the, I mean, going back to your, your other sport of golf, you know, if, if the world tennis number can become the equivalent of the golf handicap where players do chat about it, but as a guide, you know, as a, yeah, as something, then it's got to be a positive in terms of finding people to play with, hasn't it?
1: Hugely. It's a game changer. I think in a few years' time, we'll we'll look
0: back and see that real shift in participation. Cool. Man. And finally, a question we ask everybody. If you could go for a drink with anybody, alive or dead, who would it be and why?
1: Mm. Tennis is easy. If I put my tennis head on, it would be Rafa. I I love his values, his work ethic. He's so down to earth. And I think You know, whilst he's on another planet, he's still very, you know, in terms of what he's achieved, I think he's still very grounded. I always think back to when the the Spanish Federation offered him a private jet during the recession to fly him back after the US Open for Davis Cup. And he said, no, uh, the country's got better things to spend their money on. You know, that that kind of integrity and down to earth behavior and the fact that he's you know he goes fishing when he's home he's not going around in some rolls royce with you know the music, the system up the windows down i think he's got great value so i'd love to i'd love to chat to rafa and i think if it was outside of tennis it would probably be mm, i would maybe like a film director like christopher nolan would it be he's he's my favorite film director so all my favorite movies are done by him so inception absolutely love that movie i'm not sure i actually get it but i still love it uh <laughs> the, the dark knight i'm a big fan of batman and i think he made the batman trilogy super exciting but also realistic you know by blending like tech into the scripts and suddenly batman could be real you know with all the military stuff and so i, I love Chris, christopher nolan so i'd love to pick his brains because you know creative people that you know they they've change the status quo or they bring the industry on to it i i love I, i'd love to hear how he does it in his field you know nothing to do with sport so i think rafa and christopher nolan i'd love to have a drink with
0: love that love love i'd love to meet rafa good <laughs> to meet rafa I'd love and and but just you know as a dad and i've i've found myself changing my behavior where i would i would carry our children's tennis bag to the court Right, and, you know, and I'm like, and I listened to the fact that Rafa always carried his own. It's like,
1: yes, on. yeah, you, I mean,
0: you carry that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing how you know that autonomy and independence. You know, you can really hinder someone's development if you do things for them. Yeah. Um, and Rafa and Tony, they're just perfect examples and role models for the industry of just good, down-to-earth values. Generally, you know, that kind of cream rises to the top because. Yeah. It's just healthy and wholesome.
0: And Merlin, I've not seen your uh, video-based assessments, um, but I'm sure Christopher Nolan could help you make them the very best.
1: <laughs> oh, that'd be brilliant if he's listening. Come and get in touch via
0: the contact us form, Christopher. <laughs> brilliant. Hey, well, listen, Merlin, it's been it's been a pleasure to chat. Thank you so much for taking the time, taking the time to tell us all about the new plan and what's driven it, um, all the very best with it. And, uh, and yeah, thank you very much.
1: Rob, thanks so much for the invite. Uh, it's been a pleasure to sort of, I guess, answer questions from, from your perspective because, you, yeah, when you're in the detail, you can kind of, kind of lose the bigger picture. But I've really enjoyed the chat. And, yeah, uh, yeah, thank you. Take care. Take care.
0: Thanks so much for taking the time to listen all the way to the end of, of this podcast. Um, firstly, a massive thanks to, to Merlin. Uh, it was great to hear all about the new plan. Um, I hope you found it just as useful as I did. If you've come away and you're thinking, oh, that's, uh, that's interesting. Or I've got a few more questions on that. Just wanted to tell you quickly um, about an event that is scheduled for Wednesday, the 8th of December. So, um, It's uh, an uh, online event on a Facebook group, which is called the Tennis Coaches Support Network. Um, And yeah, that's a place where coaches come together to share ideas, get feedback, um, ask questions. And uh, yeah, they're due to speak to Merlin um, uh, about the new coaches plan. So uh, do head over to Facebook, search up Tennis Coaches Support Network, and they'll have the details there. If um if you are listening way after publication date, and I know a lot of people do, then you've probably missed that event. But I hope you found this episode uh, useful and interesting anyway. And uh, yeah, please do hit the subscribe button so you can find out all about the other episodes we have coming up. Bye-bye.